welcome back to another special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. It's episode 78, and I'm your host, Bruce. And I'm joined on the line once again by my friend, Lux. Lux, how are you now? I'm doing good, and I'm still like, trying to recover from the awesomeness that was pre-release weekend. Ooh, yes. I heard many good things about pre-release weekend. Uh, a, I've heard a lot of people say they were really excited to be back and be able to play in stores a little bit. Um, but on top of that, there's a lot of people just excited opening the new stuff. So, Lux, how was your store hopping? Was your store busy with um, people looking to come in and pre-release? Or were there still a healthy number of people who decided to shy away because of the lingering pandemic? And like it was about half and half. Like we had some people show up for the initial pre-release, and others that still wanted to do the home thing. So they we allowed them to do it. Yeah. Well, I think I think I think we have to be uh, flexible going forward. I think that's yeah. the one thing that comes from all of this is that for the next I don't know how many years, like let's be honest, it's going to be years that we're going to be lingering with this 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 specter of something bad happening when we have large congregations of people. So it wouldn't surprise me if we have the option to play at home or the option to do it in store. And I think it would be, at first, quite a number of people who would be very supportive of the at-home option. So I'm glad your store offered it. I mean, if you weren't if you weren't going to offer it, I, thought your, I would think your store owner would be uh, pretty insensitive to those people who were, uh, you know, trying not to... Uh, to go out too much to make themselves vulnerable to the virus, but good on your owner, good for your store on, on doing that, and that sounds like a lot of fun was had. Um, otherwise, you know, things were pretty quiet. I mean, we had a nice weekend here. Up, up here, the weather was pretty nice, so we were outside with the kids and going on going on a hike and stuff like that, so it's been it's been nice. Um, unfortunately, my daughters have caught, have caught a cold, um, yeah. so my two-year-olds who... Uh, who have just started daycare. Um, well, of course, since they just started daycare, they collect all the germs that are going around the place. So they're both, they've both been home sick and very, very pleasant, let me assure you. They are lovely little girls um, when they're sick and congested and cranky. So if anybody out there wants some little girls, you can just about have them because I'm kind of fed up because they are sick and they are whiny and they are difficult to um just manage so <laughs> it's been a real treat a real treat indeed <laughs> so anyway um don't forget folks you can find all of our content here at the lotuscouncil.com uh, that means each and every week our podcast when it goes live gets uploaded to um to the lotus council you can find it there so if you like to listen to us and you don't want to find us on your favorite pod- podcast app you can find us on the lotuscouncil.com uh, you can also check out their Discord, which is alive and happening and doing lots of cool things. I saw posts today about box breaks. There is stuff for people trying to set up games. There's people lamenting the local federal election here in Canada. That's right. You United States had no idea that we had an election. But yes, your neighbors to the north had an election uh, just two years since we last had one. And... Uh, Good times was had as nothing changed. Lux, literally nothing. We have the same prime minister, the same official opposition, the same everything. Why did we just do this? I couldn't have told you, but we did it. 
and that's available to you to discuss in the in the current events channel on the Discord. Yep. So come on in, check them all out. Lots of great things, lots of lots of interesting things to talk about. Lots of different people all over the community. So come on in, check check it out, see for yourself. And did I mention, Lux? Do we forget? It is how much money do you pay to use the Discord? Nothing. Literally none. Ab- nothing. So it's just so much free value there, folks, for trades and deck ideas and games. Like it is well worth your in- the, the investment of your time. So come on, folks, come on in, check out the check out the loscouncil.com. You will not regret it. For zero dollaros, you get to come and get a lot of free value. So mm, probably in your best interest. Just saying. Same. So I'm a little, I'm a little biased. Lux is too, but uh, we have um, seen the benefits. We've seen the light, so to speak, haven't we, Lux? Yep. Yeah. So come on in, say hi. We won't. We, we're friendly. We're friendly. I promise. Some of us. Ah, we're all friendly. Who are we kidding? <laughs> <laughs> the grumpiest one you're going to meet is likely me. That's okay. Um, Lux. So let's get down to business tonight. So let's start with Midnight Hunt, all things Midnight Hunt tonight. Let's talk about your pre-release experience. Um, not only from what you observed as someone who might have been at the store running events, but then you probably had a chance to play a little bit, right? Yep. All right, so tell the audience, because you know some people might be, like for instance, up here in Canada, there's not a lot of in-store play yet. So um, a lot of in-store pre-releases didn't really happen. So maybe you could just sort of maybe fill in our listeners so they maybe get a feel for what how the old Midnight Hunt um, pre-release would have gone. Oh, like, for starters, and get this, like, the most popular deck was literally, and they built around cards like Flesh Taker. They basically had a black-white decks. Like a, like a black-white aristocrat sort of style? Yep. Flesh Taker's a cool card. I mean, it's yeah. got, the, got the weird art, but uh, it's a cool card. I mean, people are going to... It's definitely going to find its way um to like black white life king strategies that have got aristocrats feels because like you put a flesh taker in there and you know you got you get this benefit from the sacrificing and you probably have you know abilities to that you're going to benefit from gaining life the scry one is handy it's kind of like hidden stockpile in that sense from uh which one of the Kaladesh block was hidden stockpile? Anyway, it's an excellent card too. So, Flush Taker's in the same vein, and it's a two-two for two, which seems just really good. So, so that that was really popular, was it? People like the black-white aristocrat sort of stuff. Stuff. Yeah. Cool. Now, how do the werewolves play? Like, do the werewolves play weird with the new daybound, nightbound mechanic? Uh, a little bit, and they. Suffice to say that there wasn't a lot of transforming going on, but let me tell you, they when people did manage to make it pop off, oh boy. Well, yeah, the werewolves jump up in size, and like suddenly they 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 get three sizes too big for their britches, and suddenly are eating you. So yeah, no, they go from being medium sized to large is uh, that's a big deal. It's a big game. Um, now, I was going to ask, like, I got to ask, because I think one of the things that I think is going to be tricky to manage with this set is tracking day to night, particularly if, let's say you have a deck and you don't have a lot of cards that are particularly caring about day or night. Like, let's say you build Tovalar and you only put a handful of the new day and night 
um, werewolves in your deck, but you play one early, and all of a sudden you end up needing to track this this day and night feature, so that if you next play a day or night uh, creature or like flip transforming card, then that you have like you know what side this card is entering into the battlefield on, or else like you just have to recreate it with a judge, which seems pretty awkward. Did you have any issues with it in the in store? You no, know, because and thankfully, in we had some people that you know, did the at home pre release, and they yeah they came back and uh, the the set and it has these special cards. They're kind of like the monarch cards or like right okay yeah, and it basically like it allows you to keep track of you know, what you know, setting it's on like either day or night. Oh, that's handy. That's yeah. good. That's pretty important. I think that's a good. That's a nice, uh, nice little touch there to make it, to keep it tracked appropriately. Um, I, I, I think we made fun of a few of those things with the, with Amon Cat because they had like those brick counters. Yeah. That you have to punch out, or like the punch outs for Ikoria too, which I felt were kind of, kind of silly. But this seems much less silly. It seems like a pretty good inclusion in your deck. Well, that's good. Um. What did you play in your pre-release? And I'm in the in random. They it was kind of like a green black deck. They running a little bit of white because I had it in the like I only managed to pull one, but they, one of the artifacts that I got was jack o' lantern, and mm-hmm. allowed me to and they play and they could choose a color. And I was using that Ooh, to on. run a little bit of white. Jack o' lantern. Not a card I'm familiar with. How do I spell this? Lantern, Bruce. Just typing it. Jackal Lanterns. How do I exile up to one Oh, yeah. So you could, like, lightly splash your, your white for your Abzan deck. Yep. Because, heaven forbid, Lux plays anything other than Abzan at every opportunity. And it's, <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. I actually use this to run cards like Flesh Taker. Nice. That's, that is like, I don't know. I don't know what I think of that card. Simple. Like exile up to one target card from a graveyard, draw a card. So that, that's kind of handy. I imagine that's usually the mode that's going to get used. But now I can use it to splash with. Like that seems pretty decent. See, so you notice how pretty it doesn't specifically say your graveyard. Exile Jack-O-Lantern from your graveyard. Oh, you mean Exile up to one target card from a graveyard. Well, this is Graveyard Hate. So if they have a flashback card, you can use it to, to nuke it, make sure they don't get it, uh, and you get to re- replace the card you spent to do it, which is handy. Um, or you can splash around with it a little. So that's kind of fun. So you played green-black, splashing white for... What's what? What did you do here? Like, were you you clearly weren't into the werewolves, particularly if you're playing black, black, green. Mainly, what I was you know, doing, of course, is you know, using cards like Graveyard Trespasser to purge people's graveyards, they gain life, and they lose life. And I'm also using the green cards to beef them up a bit. Okay, so let's be honest. The audience may not have read Graveyard Trespasser, so. Graveyard Trespasser, two and a black for a human werewolf. 
It's a 3-3 and has Ward, discard a card. So if you're going to kill this thing with a spell or target it, they need to discard a card. Whenever Graveyard Trespasser enters the battlefield or attacks, exile to one target card from a graveyard. If a creature card was exiled this way, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. And that's Daybound. On the Nightbound, it still has the Ward portion, and then it still has the same text, but now it's a 4-4. Four, four. So that's pretty big game. Like a 3-mana, three 3-3, three, three, which is pretty good on rate. And the front and the back do exactly the same thing, meaning it's just... It, you just predictable what you're going to get out of your your card all the time. So that's pretty cool. Oh, and like that's there's a, a, another funny thing. Like there's a another card that I managed to get a full playset of that I ran, like Olivia's Midnight Ambush. Okay, what was it? They, let me tell you, like this card made people salty because I usually played it when it was in the Nightbound cycle. Okay, let's have a look here. Olivia's Midnight Ambush. One in a black. Instant. Target creature gets plus, minus two, minus two until end of turn. If it's night, that creature gets minus 13, minus 13 until end of turn instead. So this is Tragic Slip, but for an extra mana. And, and instead of have, being conditional on killing things, is conditional on it being night. Well, that's a thing. Yeah, and let me tell you, they... Some people got a little salty because, you know, as you said, werewolves, they're usually the beefiest during the night. Well, use this on them while it's night. It, Yeah, they, which promptly shrinks them all down to size so that they now be dead. Well, that's a, that's a fun card. I mean, okay, so here's a question. I, I mean, we didn't do a lot. We didn't do a limited review. Is this card going to be, like, we already have Tragic Slip in Commander. It sees some measure of play. Let's see how much play it gets. Um, we are at uh, Tragic Slip. Slip is played currently in 13,000 decks. That's a lot of decks. Do you think this is going to see any measure of play that is even comparable to this? And Honestly, in Commander, I don't think so. Because let's be honest no. here, no, they, they, people, they, they, they're not gonna pass up a turn to they play something. Thing. It's just not gonna happen. Fair enough. I think you're right. I think this is this is just strictly speaking, is limited fodder. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's good removal. It's good removal. I mean, I like minus thirteen, minus thirteen. That pretty well kills whatever you need to kill. But anyway, interesting. Yeah. Interesting stuff. What else? What else did you see that was interesting? Are there any other cards that you sort of shone in your in, in your in your experiences this weekend? Oh well, and during the pre-release, I actually only won one game, and both of my losses. Get this: both people I were up I was up against had Ren and Seven in their decks. So okay, so did you see Ren and Seven in play against you? And I did, and I got wrecked. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's real good. I the more I read it, the more I'm like, this card is nasty. Just, just a nasty. Like it's, it's, but it's like it's one ball. It's like one card that contains so much value shoehorned into it that I think Ren Seven is probably the top card from the set, like without much doubt, just the, on raw power level alone. Like, I don't think there's really much, co much competition. Is there anything else in the set that even even comes close? 
Honestly, so. they, they, at the pre-release, and I didn't see in anything that could come close to that. No, I think you're right. I think it's just, you know, really, really powerful. Kind of scary powerful, frankly. So, yeah. No. But get this. I'm looking at the EDH rec page right now. And, um, you know, Brandon 7 doesn't show up. Doesn't show up. There it is. And it's like the like top 24 in the set. Instead of being like, I would have put it like in the top three or four, but Arlen and uh, Teferi both show up ahead of Ren and Seven in terms of how many decks it's in. Now, I know it's early. Like, I know recognize it's really early, but whew. Whew. Ren and Seven down that far is surprising. It's really good. It's a really good card. <laughs> Cool, man. Sounds like you had fun. Sounds like fun was had. I miss pre-releases. It's going to be a while yet before they let us go to that. But anyway. Disappointing. Um, hello. Yeah, Hi. they might cut out for some reason. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, they, they, I was talking and they, you couldn't hear me. No, I couldn't. So what, what, what were you going to tell me? Like I was just saying that, as you said earlier, like it's pretty earlier, so I don't pe- think people have had just enough time they need to they see how powerful Win Seven is. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm currently in the process of writing an article for uh, a store in Montreal that uh, going through my top thirteen picks from uh, from the set for, and I think Ren and Seven <laughs> might be my top pick. Might be yeah. my top pick. Because I think I think the card does a lot of what people want to do. Um, all the modes are useful. Um, so, like, let's just have a quick look at Ren and Seven because Ren and Seven is uh, such a prominent card in the set. So, uh, plus one, reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all land cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest in your graveyard. So, you go and filter for lands. Some t- in some decks, you don't even care if you have, if you hit any lands. You just want to just dump cards in your graveyard. So, that seems good. Um, zero, put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. So I can very well imagine a situation, Lux, where you play something like Return of the Wild Speaker and you drop seven or eight cards because you've got some big beefy dudes on the board and you look at your hand and four of them are lands. Well, now Ren and Six lets you throw those all onto the battlefield, you know, like it ain't no thing. Um, also, not to mention landfall decks routinely run into the problem where they're drawing too much gas, like too much land. So I have a friend who runs a Lord Windgrace deck and like Lord Windgrace has probably got 42 lands in it because you get so much benefit from having lands go to your graveyard. Um, but Ren and Six, or sorry, Ren and Seven here is just going to let you throw all the extra cards you draw and throw them on the battlefield. I think Gitrog would be pretty okay with that too. Like, I just think this is is just really really good uh, minus three create a, a green tree folk creature token uh, with the power and toughness equal to the number of lands you control so that makes some really big tokens like right that's gonna make some really big tokens yeah and then you proliferate those or you anointed procession those or parallel lives those or whatever it is you do and that seems like a real real sweet 
way to utilize that. And then minus eight, return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. You get an emblem, and it pretty much says you ha you you don't have to discard ever again. And that just seems like good value. I actually think the minus eight is probably the weakest ability of all those. So yeah, Ren Seven's good. <laughs> just real good. <laughs> so moving on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you remember how I told you that, and I went one and two in the pre-release. Yes. They, one of them was a genuine loss the second time. Yeah, no, I wasn't having that happen to me again. Oh, no? Nope. Yeah, What'd they, you do? They, I scooped. Like, the second and Ren and Seven came out of the field, I scooped. I wasn't having oh. that. I was like, no, I'm done with this. We're not playing this way. Forget this noise. Fair enough. Um, all right, let's move on there, Lux. Let's move on to Garbage or Great and find a card that is decidedly less good than Red and Seven. Um, tonight's Garbage or Great is the card Promising Dusk Mage. <laughs> oh, man. Scryfall let us down this week. We had yeah. Glissa last week or, whatever, or two weeks ago, and now we got this piece of garbage. So Promising Dusk Mage, two and a black for Human Warlock, two, three. And when Promising Dusk Mage dies, if it had a plus one, plus one counter on it, draw a card. Is this any good? No, it's not. It's not. No one's playing this. Let, do you want to go see the stats on this thing? Let's go find the stats. I think the stats are going to be... Yeah, there it is. Promising Dust Mage. And it appears in 53 decks. And notice how it's only a penny. Yeah, it's a penny. So basically, folks, this is not a card people play. Nope. Nor should you. Nor should you. So, yeah, that's a thing. So, garbage? Yeah, garbage. Done. Problem and solved. They, I think that's the quickest we've ever gone through the segment. Well, I mean, it's a limited card. And, I mean, yeah. I guess I must have been not paying attention, just stuck the hyperlink in. I'm like, oh, there it is, folks. There's your garbage or great tonight. I and mean, it's, it's, it's garbage, so. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, well. We'll do better next week. Promise. We'll do better. Hopefully. Scryfall will do better next week. <laughs> All right. Give me a second, Lux. Uh, I'm going to stop here and then I'm going to go. I don't, my dog is up to no good upstairs and I will be back oh and I will I will cut this uh, this, this, this out and we'll anyway, it'll be fine. It will be yeah. fine. Give me a moment. Yep. He's taken to eating toilet paper. So what I'm hearing is him gnawing. Yeah, and it's going to make you sick. You're a stupid dog. <laughs> That's my dog hacking up a lung because he's been chewing up toilet paper and he shouldn't. Yeah, that's not smart. Not smart dog. So, sorry, audience. If you hear a hacking dog, you'll know why. You'll know why. All right. So, we're done our segment one. On and two, and on to our segment three, some Midnight Hunt Commander talk. So, um, I picked 13 cards here, Lux. We don't have to do all 13. We can do just the ones that might sort of get us interested. Because um, there's some that are interesting and some that are not. I think we all do. I think we need to do the four commanders. Um, so, that would be Lenore, Wilhelt, Eloise, and Kyler. And after that, we can sort of pick and choose what we want to do. Fair enough? 
So, audience, these are these are the cards that from from the Midnight Hunt Commander products. There are two decks. One's a black blue deck, and the other one is a green white deck. Um, so we'll go through some of the the cards that are available, particularly the commanders. So each deck has uh, two multicolored commanders, and then I'm pretty sure each of them has a um, has a monocolored commander that you could pull out and play in lieu of. But um, anyway. So we'll start with Lenore, Autumn Sovereign. Lux, you want to read uh, read Lenore? Yep. For two, a green and a white, legendary creature, human noble. Zero, four. It has Kevin. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature you control. Then if you control three or more creatures with different powers, draw a card. So this seems interesting. I think I have my. I think I have. Did you see how much Coven get played in your pre-release? Was it a was? Did any deck try to build a Coven deck? Uh, not from what I saw. No. So I wonder how powerful the mechanic is, and I feel like this one's reasonably tricky to trigger. So the way Lenore is text templated, you're going to get the plus one plus can plus one plus one counter regardless. So you just get a plus one plus one counter on it, which makes it okay. Like that's nice. Like it's not it's not outstanding, but it's okay. Um, then if you control three or more cards with different powers, draw a card. Well, I suppose with Lenore like flinging around counters, it shouldn't be tr- too tricky to get three different creatures. But I'm thinking about like the average board state in the game of Commander, like. Do you have three creatures on the like? Like this would be four. Like, do you have four creatures? And there's honestly no telling. And I tell you, they it doesn't really have all that good of payoff either. They just they draw a card. Seriously. Well, I mean, you you are in green and white, and so white just typically struggles with drawing cards. They found it as sort of a neat and innovative way to have white draw a card. I get it. I don't hate it. I don't think it's exciting. So, I feel like this, this is a complimentary card. More so than an actual commander. Like, it is the commander for this particular deck, but I don't think this really ought to be your plus one plus one counters commander deck. If you get my meaning. Right? Yeah. So, let's see some themes. Let's go check out plus one plus one counters. Um, artifact aristocrats. So yeah, here it is. So your plus one, other plus one plus one counter themed decks are Hamza, Guardian of Erishin, Atraxa, Felisa Fang of Silverquill, Vorinclax, Monsters Raider, Gar- Gargos, Vicious Watcher, Skullbriar, Tanazir, Pirantuthi, Azuri. Like they're not green white's not really a thing that people are getting into for counters until you get to like down to like Anafenza and Gov. So like I said, oh yeah, apart from Hamza. So like I mean Hamza might be a reason to play Lenore. But other than that, I don't think you're really getting into a green white a green white pairing. Until you get down to the bottom for like things like Anafenza or Rehan or um, 
you know, things like that. So I just don't think it's that this is that enticing a commander that people are going to be excited to play or build. I think they're going to strip it and play it for the play it play Lenore and something else personally. I just feel underwhelmed. Yeah. Now the good news here with Lenore, and I'll put let's put a positive spin on this, Erlux. Do you think that people are going to identify this as being a, a genuine problem and look to use use removal on it? Honestly, I don't I don't see people like, wasting removal on this. No, they're not. So the, the nice part is you're gonna lay you're gonna play you're gonna lay down your four mana commander and it's just gonna sit there and it's gonna do its thing for as long as somebody lets you before they wipe the table. And hopefully at that point you've got some way to retain it and allow it to continue to accrue more value. So I'm kind of okay. Like, like I put it this way, I'm lukewarm to the idea of Lenore. Um, I'm would if I could get a copy of her for a reasonably cheap price, I probably would do it and put her in my Dagatar deck. That's what I would honestly be looking at her for. Um, I wouldn't really want to play her as a lead singer in a deck, but anyway. I could be I could be convinced otherwise, perhaps. I would like I'd be more interested in Hamza. Like she she goes partners with Hamza or Dagatar before I want to run her solo. So all right, Wilhelt the Rock Cleaver. Wilhelt's fun. Uh, Wilhelt Rock Cleaver is a two black and a blue for a legendary creature zombie warrior. Uh, whenever another zombie you control dies, if it didn't have decayed, create two two black zombie creature with decayed. At the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice a zombie. If you do, draw a card. I like this a lot better. Yep. So now you don't just straight up lose your zombie. You your zombie dies. Let's say you sack one. Now if it dies, you end up getting it back with now it's just decayed. Which eh. Much of decayed seems should seem like a drawback. I don't think it really is. Also, I'm pretty sure I saw somebody post on t YouTube an infinite combo with Wilhelt here, and that that looked pretty sweet. What the combo was, I, I but anyway, this seems like a pretty pretty potent commander. Um, I could see people playing this in lieu of other black blue commanders. This seems good. Lux, any thoughts? And then on Wilhelm, and it seems like a good zombie generator. You know, they, oh yeah, for, they a soul for a soul. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is this is this is this is the guy. He's doing a good job of it. He's pretty efficient about it. Uh, I, you know, and he 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 refills your hand. I'm pretty okay with him. Yeah. Pretty okay with him. I like this guy. I think yeah. if I was gonna buy if I was gonna buy one of these products, this would be the deck I'd buy. Which is hilarious to say because it's not normally in my in my veins to go black blue, but I think I would be buying this guy instead of uh, a Lenore, personally. And I think this will be the second time I go black blue and that isn't Ravnica. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, let's see Eloise. You want to read Eloise for us? Oh, and nice Eloise and Nefalia Sleuth for three, a blue and a black. Legendary creature, human rogue, 4-4. Four, four. Whenever another creature you control dies, investigate. And that's like, For people that don't know that mechanic, it means create a colorless clue artifact token with two. 
sacrifice this artifact to draw a card. And whenever you sacrifice a token, surveil one. Ooh. Ooh. This guy's good. This is My good. My mechanic comes back. Yeah. I know you're a big fan of surveil. And this plays really well with Wilhelt. Like, yep. really well. Because, like, you kill, you, you sacrifice the creature to Wilhelt's end of, end of step. So you sacrifice that zombie. You're going to get draw the card, and you're going to make a clue, and then you're going to... Like you, you, and you. If you, and if the zombie was a token, you're gonna you're gonna surveil, or you sacrifice the clue token and you surveil, or you play something like, oh, the the artifact from um, MH2. Oh, where was it? I'm gonna find the card now because I'm annoyed. Um, but there's an artifact that says if you make one of, you make three of them. I want to sort by. Uh, nope, I want artifacts. I'm annoyed. I'm sorry, folks. This is not good. This is not good podcasting right here. Let's see. Um, okay, manufacturer something or manufacturer something or other. The internet is slow here in Canada tonight since I'm having a hard time. Pulling Pulling it up. So I mean, load slowly. Where is it? Um, <laughs> Academy Manufactor. If you would create a clue of food or a treasure token, instead create one of each. So Eloise plus Academy Manufactor plus uh, Wilhelm seems like a good time. Yeah. I like yeah. that. That's that's fun. And like I haven't looked at the deck list yet, but I know it's not going to be there. They, but they, I'm going to get this deck, and I'm going to find something to replace in a, with in a Demir Spy Bug. Um. Well, want to look at the list? Let's have a list. Look at the list because they printed them. Like they, 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 they released them. Coven Counters, Undead. I want to put the link in the in the chat there, my friends. So you can check it out. Put right. it in the show notes for the audience at home. So there's the show notes. Put it there. And we'll put it here for you, Lux. Because this deck looks like fun. Because um, you get like things like Dreadhorde Invasion. That's fun. Endless Ranks of the Dead. That's just a good time. This deck looks really synergetic. Roostop Storm. Yeah, baby. This looks like fun. Ooh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Gorex on the tomb shell. Um, this looks like a good time. So I'm in. I'm in. This looks fun. Army of the Damned. There's that. Yeah, folks, this is the deck to buy. This deck is cool. This deck is cool. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but they I like this more than the green white deck. Mm, yep. Oh, that's pretty easy for me. That's it's a pretty easy. Like automatic, yeah. Even the mana base isn't awful. Got a get a bajuka bog in there. Like that's pretty good. Unclaimed territory. Yeah, this folks. This is this is the deck to buy right here. This deck's sweet, sweet. And then there's a number of upgrades you can make pretty easily. Like yeah. pretty easy upgrades. But like the build the the bones are all there for a sweet deck. All there. All right. Let's move on to Kyler's the Guardian Emissary. 
Kylo's Guardian Emissary is three green blue, sorry, green white for a legendary creature human cleric 2 2. Five mana for 2 2. So this better be some pretty good text here. Another another human enters the battlefield under your control. Put a plus one plus one counter on Kyler's Guardian Emissary. Other humans you control get plus one plus one for each counter on Kyler. Okay, that effect is powerful. Is there any way people don't just zap this guy and kill him? This is a lightning rod. Yeah. Cause, like, is an anthem? And he and he and he's a self, he's a self pumping anthem. Like he's not living. He's just gonna die. Yeah. No, they. No, they. This does not resolve. No. No. The only way this doesn't get nuked is if people are playing like your swift foot boots or your lightning greaves or something to, to protect it. Because otherwise, whew, you're going to spend a lot of mana trying to get Kyler to stick. Holy moly. It's not me thinking, though. Oh my goodness. So Kyler plus Maha. Kyler specifies that you have to have a human. Maha says, um, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, create a 1-1 one, one white human warrior creature token. So Maha makes Kyler into a gigantic beatdown for everybody. Yep. You just got to protect, protect, protect your things. Like, I have, a, I have a Maha deck. I would put Kyler in the Maha deck. I would not make Maha part of the Kyler deck. So, once again, folks, apparently Lux and I are pooping on the green-white deck. Do you feel dirty now, Lux? <laughs> like, we may as well be podcast fanboy green, and then See, here we are. I do. Like, I can't believe I find myself literally, like, bad-mouthing. Of course, you know what yeah, they say. There's, like, there's a first time for everything. Seriously, like I think they they they, I think they nerfed the black the, sorry the green white deck and they juiced the black blue deck and so now I want to go play the black blue deck and not the green yeah. white deck. It, However, watch. Go ahead. Like I'm just glad that they they learned from Gil's Ramica and they saw just how good the surveil mechanic was. Oh, I think they know surveil is really good. I think they know. They just need to find a place that's appropriately appropriate to put it. Yeah. And Innistrad is Innistrad is a great place to put it because of all the graveyard shenanigans that already go on. You can't you couldn't shoe that into shoe that into Strixhaven. That wouldn't make any sense. Call time, that's not really blue black's thing there either. So I kinda it kinda makes sense. I'm kinda and I'm pretty okay with it. Like put it back on on Innistrad. Makes sense. Are there any other of these cards that even look slightly interesting? I just have to I have to review them quickly. I'm like these look. No, that's not. That's like a bad board wipe. Celestial judgment is a bad board wipe. In white, curse of conformity. Uh, Non-legendary creatures enchanted player controls have base power and toughness three three and lose all creature types. Uh, again, that feels pretty weak for five mana. Like kinda. Moreland Rescuer, five and a white for Human Knight. When Moreland Rescuer dies, return any number of other creature cards with total value power X, where X 
sorry, X or less for your graveyard to the battlefield where X is more than the rest of your power? Uh, uh, no. I think not. But it's a $7.50 card, $7.50 card for, for the card, I mean? Like, I guess. Like, it's okay, but I don't like that. Bucks. These are bad cards. Yeah. Why are you having like? There's more than rescuers got applications. I can like I can I can see that. But the guard is Vanguard. Flash flood. Double strike. Okay. The guard is Vanguard has got some applicability, but it's five mana for a three three flying flash flying angel. That like that's a bad rate. <laughs> If you think about it, Restoration Angels, three and a white for a 3-4 <laughs> with relevant text. Like, this is like five mana. Like, it's a combat trick. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of out. All right. I'm out of that one. Let's try Crowded Crypt. Oh, this one was cool. This one did, did, get, did get my interest. Uh, so this is a two and a black for an artifact and tap to add black. Oh, you got a mana rock in black. And then whenever a creature you control dies, put a corpse counter on Crowded crowded Crypt. And four black black, sacrifice Crowded Crypt, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with decayed for each corpse counter on Crowded Crypt. That's kind of cool. So if you have, like, a sack outlet going with uh, Eloise and your commander, um, what's his name? Wilhelt going... You're putting counters on Crowded Crypt, and then you can sack it when you, you know, at the late stages of the game to get a whole pile of counters or sort of tokens just before, you know, it's your turn. And uh, now you're going to go and, you know, probably wreck house. So I like that better. That's an, that's an interesting card. I like that. Um, anything else here is even good? Lux, have you seen anything that even looks kind of interesting? You know. No, they all the interesting cards in it seem to be from the blue black deck. Yeah, they're all blue black decks. The cards that look interesting. Oh, Somberwall Beastmaster is interesting. I'm not saying it's good, but it's interesting because it's Trustani Summoner now on a mono green creature. So when Somberwall Beastmaster enters the battlefield, create a two two green wolf creature token, a three three green beast creature token, and a four four green beast creature token. So they renamed what the tokens are, but a, it used to be a wolf, a centaur, and a rhino, or Trustani, Trustani, and you get a 2-2, two, two, a 3-3, three, three, and a 4-4. Four, four. So you're getting, like, 10 power for 8 mana. Sorry, 7 mana, which is a big... That's a lot. And those creature tokens you control have Death Touch. That's a real card. It's expensive. Don't get me wrong. Like, 7 yeah. mana... But you play a seven mana, you're hitting, you're putting ten power toughness down on the board. And now those three tokens at least, plus whatever else you already have in the battlefield, now all get death touch. You know who wants to attack you? Nobody. So I like I like the Sombrawl Beastmaster. That's the most, that's the most interesting green card I've seen. Um and then there's Avis's Memorial, which is borderline hilarious. So, five white, 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 legendary artifact, indestructible, other legendary permanents you control have indestructible. 
Well, it's going to go in like a Kethis deck or something, like a mono, like a mono legendary deck. Uh, are you excited to play Avis's Memorial? Mm, no, not really. Me neither. <laughs> and so, just like that, we reviewed the Commander product and ascertained which deck to buy. Yep. So, out there, folks, if you want to, if you want to maximize your bang for your buck. You go to you go to your local store and you say, "I would like to buy one of your finest black blue decks." And when they say, "Well, what about the green white deck?" You say, "No, thank you, sir." That's what you say. No, thank you, sir. Uh, Lux, they, you're going to have a whole lot of. Yeah, they. Honestly, people, they. This is coming from the green players. Yeah, when the green players are like, "We're out," you should probably sit up and take notice. All right, so we just like turned, we just like, we just like did a 180 on it. We're like, we're out. The green deck get lost. You're gonna have a lot of these green white decks sit on the shelves a long time there, Lux. Yeah. If you have store credit at your store, you might want to pick one, like pick up one there, Lux, and just like hold on to it and see if anything jumps in value. Or we can give it away. Oh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. All right. I'll move on to segment four. Segment four, we have a deck. Um, tonight, folks, tonight's deck is Old Stick Fingers. Uh, of course, the link is going to be in the show notes. If you wanted to follow along at home and play along with me as I ramble incoherently around all these cards, um, or if you wanted to follow along and check it out yourself. So, Old Stick Fingers is a new card from Midnight Hunt, and it is Black Green X for a Star Star, Legendary Creature Horror. And then there's a lot of text, Lux. Are you ready? Oh, man, so much text. Yeah. When you cast this spell, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal X creature cards. Put all creature cards revealed this way into your graveyard, then put the, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a, in a random order. Old Stick Finger's power and toughness are equal each equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Um, okay. So, Old Stick Fingers wants to vomit creatures into your graveyard. So, what is your what is their deck mostly made of, Lux? And graveyard stuff. Creatures. Well, graveyard yep. stuff. So, creatures um, graveyard stuff. so you're... Yeah, graveyard stuff. So, um, you could do this a, co a couple of different ways there, folks. You could go the route of um, a lot of dredge mechanic. Um, I put only put one in here. I have the grave, the grave, uh, Golgari Grave Troll. You could go for the whole dredge package, the Stinkweed Imp, the Golgari Thug, all those guys. You want to go the dredge route. It wasn't something that interested me particularly, although I do recognize Grave Troll is really, really good. Um, you could go the route of Scavenge. Which is the other Golgari mechanic that we don't really talk about from Return to Ravnica, uh, sort of uh, emblematic through things like Deadbridge Goliath and Varals, um, which is Varals is um, the Maze Runner from Dragon's Maze. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, but he's we got don't interesting talk about abilities. That here. Yeah, we don't talk about that set here. It's like it's like bad memories. But his ability is, is interesting, where any creature in your graveyard does acquire the uh, scavenge mechanic. So, seems interesting. 
Um, or you just do like fill your graveyard things and get big stuff for a power out a Lord of Extinction or to power up your Night Howler or power out a Nemesis Immortals or a Ghoul Tree or Mortivore or just stuff where the more you dump big things in your bin, uh, more sorry, the more things you dump in your bin, the better it is. Uh, Gerard Golgari Lichlord is probably you know front and center there. Um, or if that doesn't work for you and you just want to, you know, do other stuff, you can just play, you can always just play a shoehorn a great, great merchant of Asvidel and a Hogak in here and just go to town. So, I mean, there's lots of options here, folks. Do what you like to do. Uh, make yourself happy. Um, the, so what you see in the creature list is by no stretch of the imagination on optimized list. This is just a sort of collection of generalized value green, black things that you might want to play because they do good things. Um, then for the sorceries, um, there's some board wipes to this. Uh, so I figure I got to run at least three board wipes. So the only one that's real hard board wipe is Crux of Fate. Um, that's, I think in absence of being able to cast something, uh, like a toxic deluge or a damnation at a reasonable price point, much as they've seen reprints recently, like Crux of Fate is probably the best option. <clears throat> at the price point culling ritual is good uh but it only gets non-land permanents that are mana value two or less and then fine and finality has a ceiling as well where once their things are bigger than four four well it doesn't really work so well so these are your your board wipes um you're gonna get a ball again recovery because that's probably the best most useful regrowth effect um spell you can find some ramp with some cultivates and Kodama's Reach and, and Rampant Growth. And, of course, everybody's favorite, if you're not playing this card in a Golgari deck, Spider Spawning, I don't know what you're doing. So let's just flood the board with tokens and see what you do from there. Uh, your instants and source, your instants are pretty straightforward. You have um, some removal, Putrefy, Nature's Claim, Death Sprout. You got some milly sort of dre uh, dredgy sort of stuff with grapple and grizzle and grizzly salvage, and you get some card draw with return of the wild speaker and plumb the forbidden. And I think plumb the forbidden here could be really really good. Um, it could also be a humongous bust. So we're gonna try it out here. I think it's actually we're gonna try it and think it's a pretty good pretty good card. Uh, your artifacts, you look at you get a sack outlet and alter dementia. You have uh, arcane signet, saw ring, and then wish claw, wish claw talisman, who is an, which is an interesting take on a tutor. Uh, your enchantments, uh, you have greater good, which I think is kind of rolling the dice here because your creatures are not necessarily going to be huge initially. But anyway, we'll see about that. And then Deadbridge Chant and Journey to Eternity are both in there for different reasons, but all all of them are very handy. And then last but not least, we have Moldervine Reclamation, where whenever a creature you control dies, you gain a life and you draw cards. So if you can things die, you start drawing cards and all that good fun. And then your land, mana base is probably a little light on mana. We probably should play a little bit more. But you got 34 land sources. Um, you got um, some of the highlights include, oh right, Crypt of Agadim, which is just good. Because you have, you're going to get mana equal to the number of creatures in your graveyard, and well, you can get a lot of land out of a graveyard stocked with some of this stuff. Bucks, this all comes down to a hundred and fifteen dollars and twenty-seven cents. Actually, not bad. Hmm. That's they, not bad. 
Like mm-hmm. we've had some weeks where we've gone way higher, but yeah. $115. Yeah, like it actually looks like a fun deck to play. Nate with some tweaking, that is, but still Ning. That's what this is about. Like it's a base. Yeah, that's the exactly that's the base, folks. Like this is like this could be like you think of your your base level stick fingers deck. If you want to if you want to upgrade it with a lot of speed upgrades, you could do that. You're gonna push the press the price tag up. But this gets you in the door, gets you in and playing, having fun with your friends, and no one's going to look twice at you for running this sort of deck. They because you very clearly have a plan. Your plan is going to be to fill the graveyard and then utilize that as leverage to do whatever it is you want to do. And so, you know, and like like I said, like just because your deck is basic doesn't mean that it's not going to win once in a while. I was playing on Saturday night, and we were playing. One of the guys hadn't played in a while, was just figuring out how to play spell table. And you know what he did? He was playing a pre-con right out of the box. And guess who won the game? The dude with a pre-con right out of the box. Yeah. So it happens. It happens, folks. It happens. So yeah, it gets you in the door. 115 bucks is probably a pretty nice price tag. Uh doesn't doesn't hurt too too much. You know, if, that, if I told you for 115 bucks you can get this deck and you'll get some number of games out of it before you start editing and changing it and mixing it around, probably seems like a pretty good investment, frankly. Your entertainment dollars are worth it, folks. Man. Other thoughts there, Lux? And, and all in all, they, they, if I and had the money to get some of the cards because and they... I'm looking at the list, and like I don't have every single thing on the list, but I eventually do plan on getting them, and I will brew this deck. Yeah. Nice. Well, if you do, let us know how it goes. We'd love to be. We'd love to see how it how it plays out at the end of the day. Looks like a lot. It does look like a lot of fun, and I'm kind of keen to build it myself. But I've already got two black green decks, and so I don't know if I'll know if I need yet another. Anyway, we'll see. All right, folks. Uh, that's pretty much going to wrap up this week's show. Thanks very much for everyone stopping in and checking in with us. We'd love to have everybody come and listen. If you liked what you heard, we'd love to get some pe- some feedback from people out there. So you can always email us at theepicexperimentpodcast at gmail.com. Um, always hit us up there. We're, I, I, check it, I check it daily. Um, that Lux may not, but I do for sure. You can email us there. Uh, if you want, you can certainly find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at EpicExpCast. Same thing going on there. We check it daily. So if you leave us a message, we'll be sure to uh, to check it out. We have had some, some good conversations. So we've got some guests lined up in the next couple of weeks. Just saying, some, some people who you might know or are reasonably prominent. And little old us got a, got a, got a show with them, which is pretty fun. Um... Also, we have our all of our decks. Every deck that is brewed on the show goes into Moxfield. Uh, use the username, the Epic Experiment Podcast, and you can check out all the decks we brewed right from the very first week we did this to today. And anything in between is all is all right there. Um, so as always, like, subscribe, follow, retweet, whatever it is you need to do. But every little bit helps get the word out there that we are here talking Commander each and every week and we're loving it. So uh, next week we're going to be talking, we will be talking rules interactions with Chris, Judge Chris. 
he'll be on. And so if you have rules uh, that you want explored for Midnight Hunt, uh, feel free to tweet at us or to email us with your, uh, your rules question. Or you can come into this court and just sort of tell us. Um, but that is for next week. Until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off, wishing you all the best wherever you next play magic. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Have a great week.